you're new, I'm Jamie. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my honor and privilege to be back with you and invite you to point your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Luke, chapter 8. We'll pick up where we left off in Luke, chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you, and you will find our reading today from page 865 of the Church Bible, right under the heading entitled, A Lamp Under a Jar. We've now come to the most important part of the week. God will speak to his people through his word. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I'll read the passage and pray, and we'll ask for the Lord's help on our time together, and then we'll get to work, working our way through this passage a little bit at a time. Should be around 45 minutes or so. Luke chapter 8. We'll pick up reading in verse 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. But nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray. Father, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? Would you till the soil of our heart and enable it to receive the good seed of your word, to take root and to bear fruit to the glory and praise of God alone? Amen. As a child of the 80s and the 90s, I enjoyed a time when Hollywood would produce movies simply for the sake of entertainment. Adventure stories and feel-good comedies, they just simply entertained. There was no agenda. It was just, just for fun and to make money. And one of the greatest movies of my childhood was The NeverEnding Story. Has anyone seen this movie? I love that movie. It's a fantastic movie. It takes place in the fantasy world of Fantasia a world which represents the imagination of children, which is being devoured by an evil force called the nothing. And the young empress of Fantasia has fallen sick. And the lead character, a boy by the name of Atreyu, is sent on an epic journey to find a cure for the empress. And one of the greatest tests along the journey, Atreyu encounters something called the magic mirror gate. And at the magic mirror gate, Atreyu has to face his true self. 
staring into the mirror, kind people find that they are cruel. And brave men discover that they are cowards, confronted with their true self. Most men run away screaming. Atreyu confronts his true self and he passes the test. It's a turning point in the story. And I hope that's not a spoiler to you. The movie's like 40 years old. In Luke chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching his disciples about receiving the word of God. And last Sunday, Pastor Matt preached through Jesus' parable of the sower. And I just have to say that Matt Flora is one of the best preachers that you are likely to hear. Not only is he a great expositor of the scripture, but his application of the text is going to reflect the man's heart. It's going to be right, it's going to be true, it's going to be full of love, it's going to be gentle, it's going to be encouraging and filled with patience. And I, as one who missed the last couple of weeks, am indebted to our tech team who records all these messages so that I can listen in later. And even if you were here over the last two weeks, I would encourage you to go back and re-listen to the last two messages. These brothers, Pastor Matt and Pastor, Pastor Brent, these are gifts to us all, faithful ministers of God's Word. And I hope, I hope that you appreciate the blessing of having these men as pastors. In the passage before us today, the Lord explains a little more of the effect of God's Word upon tears. God's Word functions a little bit like the magic mirror gate in Fantasia. It shows us our true self. The Bible shines God's light upon us and reveals us. Not as we perceive ourselves to be, but as we truly are. And how we respond to God's light really matters. For some men, after seeing themselves in the light of Scripture, run away screaming. And so we open today's message with a phrase that's borrowed from last week's message. A phrase that Pastor Matt told us the Lord spoke with great emphasis. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here's the big idea this morning. You can see that on the screen. The Word of God is light, revealing Christ and exposing sin. Hear it well and do it. The Word of God is light, revealing Christ and exposing sin. Hear it well. And keep it. So we'll lay this passage out in three parts. First, we'll look at verses 16 and 17. That God's word exposes everything. God's word exposes everything. And verse 2, or the point 2 from verse 18, is that God's word requires response. God's word requires a response. And then finally, in verses 19 to 21, we'll see that God's word must be obeyed. God's word must be Obeyed. I'll repeat those things as we work through so that you can follow along if you're taking notes. First, God's Word exposes everything. Let's look at verse 16 and 17 once more. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that all who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known. 
and come to light. We believe the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the 66 books of the Old and New Testament to be the Word of God. They are the final authority for faith, for life. They are the complete and divine revelation of God to man. Scripture is very often likened to light. From the very opening pages of the Bible, actually page one of the Bible, you see a connection between God speaking and light. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke, and there was light. And the psalmists pick up on this connection in Psalm 19, verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Psalm 119, verse 105, which you probably learned if you went to Sunday school. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 6.23, for the commandment is a, light, is a lamp and the teaching a light. This was the conviction of Jesus Christ himself and the teaching of the apostles. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Any of you in a dark place this morning? Do, as the Apostle Peter said, and pay attention to God's word. It is a lamp in a dark place. Finally, the verse which informs so much of my own ministry, which I preached the very first time I stood behind this pulpit, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of God is a lamp, a light, shining on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one who is the white-hot center of joy and delight and peace and rest. Scripture reveals Christ. And so if you are weary from the battle against Sin, if you are feeling defeated this morning, turn to Christ in this word and find him. Standing forth with arms open wide with the biggest smile on his face, ready to receive you, to give you peace and rest. If you are fearful this morning, anxious about tomorrow, if you are discouraged or depressed or feel directionless, if you're embarrassed about how you lived last week or how you wasted your time last week, turn to Christ in this word and you'll find him standing forth with arms open wide and the biggest smile on his face ready to receive you, to give you peace and rest. Luke chapter 8 verse 16 is not the start of a new teaching. As Someone mentioned earlier it is a continuation of the very same teaching of the parable of the sower. God's word is a seed which bears fruit with patience. And God's word is a light which illuminates Christ and exposes sin. And so here, Jesus' proverb of a lamp 
is continuing Jesus' teaching about the soil. And his proverb of a lamp would have been well understood by his audience because, of course, this was the days before electricity. And so light was, was, was brought to a home via lamps. They, would, they had these little, little saucers with a, a pinched end that would hold a wick, and they would pour oil into the saucer, and they would light the wick, and they would set it up on a stand, and it would light the room. You don't light a lamp in your house and then cover it with a jar because, of course, that defeats the purpose. The clay jar blocks the light. You could even snuff out the flame. And for the same reason, you don't light a lamp and then cover it with a bed or put it under a bed. Not because it would catch the mattress on fire because in those days, people didn't, most of them didn't sleep in elevated beds like we do. They would sleep on mats, which they rolled up and rolled, rolled out when they slept and then rolled up in the morning. So to put a lamp under a bed meant to cover it up, to hide the light, to extinguish the flame. You put a lamp on a stand so it illuminates the room. So what does light do? Well, as we've been saying, light illuminates and light exposes. And Jesus is saying that God's Word does the very same thing. It illuminates truth and exposes lies. God's word is light, and it should not be hidden, because that would be like lighting a lamp and then putting it under a jar, leaving everyone in the dark. When God speaks, it is light, and light is meant to be shared. Notice the positive instruction in verse 16, you put light on a stand, and those who enter may see, and they'll see not just the light. But by the light, they'll see the whole room. God's revelation of himself in his word illuminates, and not just one thing, but all things. C.S. Lewis famously wrote that, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. As you hear the word of God, as you see the beauty of Christ in the word of God, by seeing him, you see everything else. It's like light in a dark room. By the light, you see the contours of the room. You see yourself. You see your own life. You see the space you're in. You see God's purpose. The gospel that we've received is meant to be shared. The lamp is meant to be placed on a stand to be studied, to be, to be rejoiced in, to be believed upon, to be practiced, and to be proclaimed. We're not meant to merely live with the gospel in our hearts and in our minds, but we're meant to live with it on our lips. We exist to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. John the baptizer was once described by Jesus as a burning and shining lamp. And Jesus said people used to come just to rejoice in the light. And I have to wonder if you would describe your life like that. Having received the free gift of God's grace in your own life, 
Has the cross of Jesus Christ lit you aflame? And do you shine the light of the glory of God everywhere you go? This world resides in a great darkness. It is lost. It is cold. It is alone. And that was you, dear Christian. Until your loving God sent his word and shined in of your heart and he granted the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and because of this you have been given the tremendous privilege to put God's light on the stand to carry his word and his truth about his son into the darkest places of this world the dark place where three billion people alive today have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The dark place, in your workplace, and in your neighborhood, where Christ is not precious, you have the privilege of carrying the light there. The gospel message of freedom and joy and eternal life is meant to be shared because it is good news. And so why would anyone hide it? Why does Jesus have to tell us, don't hide it? Because of the second thing that light does. Light illuminates, but light also exposes. You see, nothing that is hidden will not be seen, and nothing that's in secret will not one day be known. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 teaches us that the Word of God exposes. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this, And no creature is hidden from God's sight, but we are all naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. And for this reason, Jesus told us that we would be tempted to hide God's Word. John 3.19 says, The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness more than the light, because their works were evil. And Jesus would later explain in the Gospel of John that the world hates him because he testifies that his works are evil. The Word of God illuminates, but the Word of God also exposes. It is like the magic mirror gate in Fantasia. It exposes a man for who he truly is. And the kind man, under the microscope of God's illuminating Word, finds bacteria of cruelty in his heart. And the sweetest lady that you know, having the thoughts and intents of her heart exposed to the light of Scripture, will find a thousand species of pride living just under the surface of her skin. And so the temptation for all of us will be to shrink back from God's Word and to hide it from others. Because facing ourselves as we truly are in the mirror of Scripture... It is a grueling test which no one passes. And so the question is, what is to be done? What should we do? Well, 
Let's keep reading. Verse 18. God's word requires a response. This is verse 18. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is the only imperative command in this passage. It calls back to Pastor Matt's message from Luke chapter 8, verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Not only must we hear God's word, but here we learn, Jesus says, you must take care how you hear. And the commandment here means to pay attention, to observe, to discern, to contemplate. This is what we are meant to do with God's word. We're to pay careful attention. I found that there are, there are lots of materials available today on how to teach God's Word. I probably have 25 or 30 of them in my study. But, you, you know, there are far, far fewer resources available on how to hear God's Word. I maybe have two. And that's strange. Because in this room, very few of us will be teachers, but all of us will be hearers. We must learn how to hear God's word. The great 19th century Baptist preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, was a master of metaphor. And he taught his students to hear the Bible like you're listening to the reading of the last will and testament of a wealthy relative. So as a lawyer is reading the will of this wealthy relative of yours, you will hardly care at all about the manner of his delivery. You won't be thinking about the food in the gym in a few minutes. You won't be thinking, with all of this rain, what day am I going to mow my grass? You will be listening with rapt attention to every syllable of every word being read because of the great implications That it has on your life. How much more should we listen with rapt attention to the reading and expositing of God's word? How we hear matters. Do you give God's word utmost attention in your life? Do you do as the Apostle Peter told us earlier, to pay attention to Scripture as if it were a bright light in a dark room? You just can't take your eyes off it. We must be careful how we hear because this is God speaking to us. To the one who has, more will be given. But to the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. How you hear matters. What you do with God's word has the greatest implications on your life. It works like this. The more that you look into God's word, the more that you see the beauty of Christ. And the more that your delight in Christ increases. 
And the more Jesus you see in the Bible, the more wickedness you see in yourself. And then the more you repent of that wickedness. And the more you repent of that wickedness, the more mercy of God you receive. And the more glorious the cross of Christ becomes. And the more you rejoice in the cross of Christ, the more your joy and your experience in life increases. And the more freedom you have to live for him and for nothing else and to endure all for his sake and to share him with everyone. The more you have, the more you receive. Scripture is like the most beautiful painting. And the more that you stare at this beautiful painting, the more of the beauty of the painting is revealed. You're noticing all the details and the nuances and the colors of the words. And you meditate upon it. And this painting then becomes a mirror. And you see yourself in this mirror as you truly are a sinner in deep and great need of a Savior. And so you humble yourself and you turn to Christ in repentance. And then suddenly this mirror becomes a window through which God pours out his grace upon your life. And through the cross of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You are cleansed of your unrighteousness. And all that is broken in your life is fixed. And God reaches down to you, grabs hold of you, takes you in his arms and wraps you in the righteous robes of his own son. To the one who has, more will be given. To the one who turns to God for mercy, more mercy is given. I'm so thankful to our brother for keeping us singing that song. My sin is great, his mercy is more. That is something we need to hear every day of our life. I sin greatly. My, his mercy is more. To the one who turns to God for mercy, more mercy is given. More grace, more mercy, more forgiveness, more peace, more joy, more love, more smiles, more laughter. Keep listening to God's word. Keep staring into this mirror. The more of Christ you see, the more of your own sin you see, the more you turn to him for help, the more you will be changed into his likeness and image. The more that this painting will be turned into a mirror, which will then be changed into a window by which you'll be drawn up into the glorious riches of God's mercy and love. To the one who has, more will be given. Be careful how you hear. But the flip side of this coin is that the one who has not even what he thinks he has will be taken away. How you hear matters. Because if you read something in the Word and you do not do what it says, you do not turn to Christ for forgiveness, you, even what you have will be taken away. A man who has physical abilities is able to do certain things. He's fast and strong and he has great endurance. And the more fit that man becomes, the greater his abilities. The more you have, the more you will receive. But if that man were to let himself go and to neglect to exercise and to neglect to eat well, even the abilities that he has will be taken away from him. They'll be lost. The New Living Translation does a good job of capturing the essence of verse 18. 
it translates, it translates it like this, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. I think this works in two ways. One is by neglecting to repent, and the other is by neglecting to reform. When Scripture exposes sin, and we purposefully ignore and harden our, our heart against God's revelation, we explain it away, something unique to the first century, something unique to those people then, but not to me. When we neglect the good work the Scripture intends for us, we put ourselves in great danger. We become like that fruitless soil from last week's sermon, where the cares of this world, where the riches and the pleasures of life choke out the seed of God's Word, and it does not mature. And this is no deficiency in God's Word. Charles Spurgeon said, the same sun which melts the wax hardens the clay. When God's word shines into the dark parts of our lives, we must stand under its light, no matter how painful it may seem. And if we find by God's light that our lives are out of accordance with the teaching of Scripture, we must repent. We must reform. God disciplines those he loves. So friend, do not hide yourself from this word. Do not hide your sin from the Lord. Resist every urge to tuck that thing away in some closet of your life. Because nothing hidden will not be manifest. Bring that sin into the light. Receive the mercy and forgiveness promised to you. And a clean conscience. Know that when you turn to the Lord, no one gets turned away. No one. And I cannot tell you how proud I am of so many of you who have done this. Taking the bold step, seeking help to overcome some sin in your life, some addiction in your life, marital strife, doubt. These sorts of things thrive in the darkness. We must bring them out of the basement of our life and into the light of the gospel. And I've watched so many of you transformed by the power of the gospel when you stopped trying to deal with the sin on your own. You brought it out into the light and you sought the help that you needed. This is for all of us. But this is for those also here who have never bowed the knee before Jesus Christ. Those who have never turned to Jesus and asked for forgiveness for their sin. If you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. And you need to understand this. That God is offering forgiveness and a clean conscience to all who turn to Him in faith. So friend, confess your sins. Turn to Christ. Pray to the Lord for mercy. And He'll give it to you. And I would encourage you to stick around after the service is over today. Meet us in the back in the gym there. Enjoy a meal with us, totally free. Find someone who looks like a regular and talk to them. 
Talk to one of the pastors. We'd love to introduce you to the reality of a life free from the power of sin and the life of a clean conscience. There's another way we fail to listen to God's word in our life. One, as I said, was refusing to repent of sin, but the other is refusing to be reformed by God's word. Each one of us are students. We're all learning. And we must come to God's word as humble students. We must be willing to submit to, to be corrected by, and to be reformed by what we read in the Scripture. The ministry of God's Word is an ongoing process in all of our lives. The Spirit of God is drawing us ever deeper into God's Word in order to conform us, conform our lives and our minds to the image of Christ. And this process never ends in this life. Paul told young Pastor Timothy, let everyone be able to see your progress. There has to be progress. It should be visible. We must all come to the Bible as students. And when we encounter something in these pages which contradicts the way that we think, we have to work very hard to make sure that what we're understanding the Scripture to teach is actually what it teaches. And then to submit our own thoughts and our ideas to God's Word. During the 16th century Reformation, the church had a saying, always reforming, by which they meant that we're always reforming our doctrines and our practices to the Word of God. Take care then how you hear. Because, after all, you are formed by what you hear. Whatever it is, There are about 165 hours between right now and the next time we gather, next Lord's Day morning. And you're going to hear a lot of things between this time and that. And if you're devoting more of your time to social media, to news, to television, then to the things of God, I just want you to think about how that's affecting your soul. How are you being formed by what you hear? The connection between social media and loneliness and depression is scary. You can, you can look at the graphs between mental illness, and you see a huge uptick right around the same time that smartphones showed up in all of our lives. It seems a pretty clear connection between the two. I just wonder how many of us have starved relationships with Christ Relationships with others simply because we've sought satisfaction in the junk food that is available to us in social media. How you hear matters. And can I just offer you a challenge this week? Can I just offer a humble challenge to you to cut your consumption of social media and of news and of television by half this next week? 
and to replace that time with reading the Bible and prayer and reading a book. It's way harder. But everything worthwhile is. If you've fallen off of your Bible reading plan, get back on it. There's no shame. Just pick up where you left off. If you struggle to pray, we all struggle to pray. Keep struggling. Make a list and work through it. If you don't like to read, do it anyway. Just keep trying. Your brain works like a muscle. And if it's weak, it's going to be hard at first, but it'll get stronger. I promise that if you do this for a while, your life will be richer. Your conversations will be deeper. Your attention span will be better. Your relationships will be stronger. You'll just be happier. God's word exposes everything. God's word requires response. And lastly, as we close, God's word must be obeyed. Let's look at verses 19 to 21. And Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. I think Pastor Matt was exactly right when he told us last week that Luke's mentioning of the women in verses 1 to 3 last week are an illustration of the principles of the parable of the sower that followed. And I think the exact same thing is true of these three verses. They're an illustration of Jesus' teaching. So Jesus' mother and his brothers come to him to see him, and they were not given the reason why. And Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity. Who are my mother and brothers? They're the ones who hear my word and do it. Or as Eugene Peterson memorably puts it, obedience is thicker than blood. You see, the key to being close to Jesus is not blood relationship, but hearing God's word and doing it. The key to being close to God is not blood relationship, it's hearing God's word and doing it. So today, if you're feeling far from God, check your life in the Word. Are you reading, hearing, keeping God's Word? Do you want to feel close to God? Do you want to have the affections of your heart moved by the beauty that you see in these pages? Do you want to know God's purpose for your life? Principally, open your Bible. Look for Jesus. And everywhere you see him, rejoice in him. Read the Bible, memorize the Bible, meditate on the Bible, pray the Bible. Turn the words of Scripture into prayer. Whenever God tells you to do something, do it. Closeness to Christ comes by hearing his word and doing it. Every time you open the Bible, God is revealing himself to you. And in God's word, Jesus stands forth with his arms open wide, ready to receive you in. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel, 
Lay your burdens and your fears and your failures at his feet and find the satisfaction of your soul in Christ. Hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray. Father, we confess that we've not often listened well. We confess that we've neglected your word. It has not been precious to us. We give so little time to hearing Jesus and to obeying Jesus. We go off and do things our own way and make a mess of our lives and then even blame you for the problems we've created. Please forgive us. Father, we praise you for not leaving us or forsaking us in the immaturity of our lives and in our sin. We thank you for pursuing us in our sin and our rebellion. We thank you for your great love and your kindness. You're so patient with us. You're so gracious. Lord, this week will you enable all of us to give more time and attention to being careful how we hear to limiting outside influences, and to giving greater time to hearing you speak to us. Lord, I have to admit, this world is so loud. And everything other than God seems so appealing to our flesh. So please have mercy on us. Holy Spirit, please draw our hearts to Jesus. Take what is of Jesus and declare it to us so that we may know him, love him, be deeply satisfied in him, follow him, and share him with everyone. We ask these things for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Assurance of pardon this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 7, where the Lord promises in these words, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Please stand for our final song as we sing together.